Hello everybody, welcome to the episode 13 of Competitive Magic with the Carnies. Join me today, we have Javier Dominguez from Spain. Hello, hello. And today we are blessed by the presence of, finally back with us, Anthony Lee from Australia. Hola. Okay, Anthony, no, no problems with the internet today. You have been, you've been good. How, how have you been these two weeks? Uh, wonderful, wonderful. It's, uh, you know, life without the internet is truly freeing. So, uh, you know, it's been, it's been lovely. But now I am back, chained to you once more by the internet. So here I am. Did you play some some RCQs this this two missing uh, this two weeks that you weren't on the podcast as the as the RCQ scene restarted in Australia? Uh, yeah, I played the first one of this season this weekend. Um, I uh, I betrayed uh, my teammates and decided to play uh, Nathan Sloy's Grixis deck uh, instead, and was uh, was punished. Uh, was, there was the divine divine punishment came for me, as in the top eight I lost drawing. Many Shivan Roost and Invoke Despairs together. So that's no. what I get for, you know, <laughs> not believing. But I'm sure we'll talk about those deck lists later on uh, when we talk about Standard. Yeah, you mentioned Nathan. He is our new world champion. Just 19 years old and already, you know, holding the the most important trophy of the year. That is, uh, that is very good, very nice. Nathan has been a, a teammate of yours for the last two Arena PTs, right? Uh, wasn't it one? Oh, yeah. yeah, I think it was one. The one in it was mixed. Um, yeah, it was really good to play with. He definitely impressed me in the historic yeah. Phoenix uh, department for sure. Yeah, we were. Really I mean, to, yeah, we were pretty see. blown away <laughs> the whole time. I think. Um, so yeah, uh, it's no surprise to us. And congratulations again uh, to Nate Stoya. Yeah, good job. I remember I got paired against him. We were three and two, and he messaged me on MTG Mail being like, "If I win this match, which means you know go to day two, I'm qualified for Worlds." And uh, you know he beat me, and then he he ended up you know, like, <laughs> hoisting the trophy. So it's pretty cool. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so we'll definitely talk about standard later today. But first, I want to talk about modern a little bit. Uh, there has been, uh, together with Worlds, a very cool event in uh, Las Vegas during Magic 30. There was a beta draft, and the way to qualify for that was just doing well in uh, a couple of modern qualifier. And uh, one of those, uh, two of those players actually qualified with Merfolk. Javier, do you have anything to say about Merfolk? Well, I always believed in Merfolk. I think the deck is great. I, 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 I'm going to eventually try it. Like, I just keep losing to it when I play Magic Online. So, Gomer Folks, I'm a big fan of them. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot yeah, of people tomorrow, have lost uh, to Merfolk. Um, it's just that most of the time it's the person who's playing it. No. Don't say that, Anthony. <laughs> that is good. I mean, have you ever played against Merfolk recently? It's nope. very intimidating. <laughs> like, like it is a good deck. Like, they have Violent too. And now they have, like, everything as a card catcher and, and they just kill you out of nowhere. Yeah, today I actually uh, trophied uh, playing uh, blue-white control splashing Vranen 6, and I always prismatic ended the the Eater Vial. I even Archmage Charman Eater Vial and put into play Kahira and Solitude, which was very cool with the Vial. But um, yeah, I respect I respect the Merfolk now. Tomorrow, I want to try it for sure. In, 
Also, I uh, want to mention that I loved uh, watching, uh, not actually watching because there was an official coverage of the beta uh, of the beta draft, but just uh, hearing the reaction people when they opened cards like Time Walk, Underground Sea, they opened Time Vault, Polato, Beta, you know, just freshly boosters. It's definitely an experience that I just one of the best experience to me as a Magic player and Magic collector mostly. So definitely jealous to those people and congratulations to the winner who also ended up uh, opening the time walk. So that's why, a, a very nice... Why be jealous? Was him you one can of have that players? experience too. You just have to buy the 30th anniversary secret layer um, and then you can open power as well. It's the same thing. So don't, yeah, a lot of, uh, don't be held back, Megan. A lot of... Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, discussion about those uh, Magic 30 boosters. We're not going <laughs> to fuel into that uh, furthermore, but... Yeah, uh, you know I'm still... Let's say that the beta packs are not the Magic 30 anniversary packs. Oh, really? Look the same to me. All right, let's move on. <laughs> That's why you are not our MTG Finance expert, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, no MTG Finance today. <clears throat> Thank you. Unfortunately. Yeah, un unfortunately for sure. Um... Uh, what have you done here this weekend? Did you play some challenges? Did you watch coverage of the worlds? So I actually did a lot of things. Um, so for starters, I did go again to the LGS to play my Saturday morning event. But this time I played a non-lag deck, which was a blue-red Mortite. And coming from playing lag decks, this deck was good. Like I was playing the matchups and I was like, wow, this deck is great. I, I I haven't played that many games with Mortet before. Actually, one of the decks I played the less, and it felt like a very good deck. So I, I now I know why you have like uh, it as one of your favorite modern decks. You know, like you always say it's great, but you didn't tell me how good it was. So I went like four zero. So I it was a good one, and I tried yeah. to play Vintage Challenge also, where I just I think I won zero three again. I got I won zero three in the last four challenges, I think, or. <laughs> Or something like that. With I played Breach can this time. It, can it be? Say it again. Oh, you changed deck. No yeah. more team of fluxes. No, I played another. I played Breach because last time I lost the two breaches in a row. And I was like, well, I used to beat Breach. Like, I lost to beat Tinker and lost to everything else, but now I also lost to Tinker. So let's see. <laughs> and I played Tinker and I lost two other things as well. So uh, <laughs> it was not very good. I just can't win. I just get a lot of. Uh, yeah, I just got killed like a lot of times with like, you know, the classic Tinkerfall, whatever. So it was not, Vintage is not treating me well lately. And but Modern did. Huh? But Modern did, and Modern, of course, uh, way more skilled form, way more, way more skilled decks in, uh, in Modern than, um, sorry, let me rephrase. <laughs> Way more luck deck in vintage than in modern. So. Well, in vintage every deck is a luck deck because every every game where you draw the power nine cards is like wow, this deck is so good. And when you don't, you feel like sure, this end of like a tutor and a breach and two lands and a saga and a brainstorm is like even good. You know, like of course you get mulligan, but it's it's the same kind of uh, it's it's the same kind of feeling when you draft a cube deck with like two power nine cards and then you don't draw them. So. Yeah, modern treated treat me better. And on Sunday I didn't play anything because I just watch Walt. Like I would watch a lot of coverage of Walt this time. Uh I just I just loved it, to be fair. Like I, I don't think I have watched as much coverage for them since uh 
BBD's worlds, I think. Like I just watch a lot of them. I, I love the the whole situation. I, I was not expected, like I wasn't planning to watch as much. You know, because like um lately I've been watching less tournaments or whatever. Like uh, also the structure of the new worlds is less appealing to me as a watcher as the old ones. Because like the other ones were like, you know, all the platinum players I knew about. This tournament was like two-thirds of the field, they know a lot a lot about them, and the third one knew less. Or whatever, like you you know, also been playing like more more relaxed with magic, but I just loved it. And I just turned it tuned on, on Friday and I just, you know, like enjoyed it a lot. And yeah, on Sunday I decided to skip the challenges just to be watching Waltz and enjoying uh, and I just did. I, it was really cool to see like all these like awesome players playing battling against each other. Uh, it brought me a little bit of fire, to be fair, our tournaments. I don't know if good. if you guys watch a little bit on, or if you had like this sensation, but mm-hmm. you know, it was like, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a little bit of that as well, and you know, um, that 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 also came from uh, helping work on on that before the tournament as well. Then watching everything unfold, so. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. It definitely um, brought a little bit more enthusiasm back. We're excited about that. Yeah, yeah. Something you mentioned, like yeah, because me, like Anthony, and a little bit me also, we, we help a little bit some of the other players there. Uh, more importantly, we were like aware of what was going on in the metagame, which also makes you feel like um, you know, like if you understand what's going on in the metagame, you probably enjoy more seeing the different tweaks of the yeah, decks definitely. and see yeah how people play the games differently. Because yeah. of their perception of the metagame, right? We saw a lot of like, you know, turn three pass with cards like Fable on the hand or Rafine, just so they could like try to bottleneck the opponent's three drops or whatever. Like this kind of high level plays, not only on like, not only you can only see them in like this kind of tournaments or whatever, at least like commonly, but also uh, they can do it because they tested so much with these cards, exactly, they actually yeah. know. Navigating these games this way can be profitable because I mean, we saw like uh, I don't know, like in the semifinals or whatever. Like Nathan just had like the fable, the perfect fable, right? They had like the harvester into fable, like turn on the play, whatever. And he elected not to play the fable in turn three. You know, this kind of plays. Like uh, I, I loved watching it. <laughs> it's great. So yeah, that was my weekend. That was it. <laughs> Which friends have you helped uh, testing? It was uh, uh, Simon. Uh, Simon us. Yeah, it was Simon Nelson. It was um, Mati. Mati Kuizma. Uh, yep. Julian. Uh, Julian Wellman. And Carl, Carl from Sarab. the top four competitor. Yep, Carl Sarab. Okay, what, what, what decks did they end up playing? So they played Esper Midrange slash Legends and the Transmogrifies decks, even though Julian debated on the standard portion. The, okay. the yeah, Kimo one, the one with the Titan of Industry. Deck. Um, and the rest yeah. played Esper. Yeah. Yep. Okay. There were different decks, but they were okay, all good, good of good, course. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, we also, uh, I, this weekend I was in Berlin. I went to once again Car Market to do uh, videos. I was together with uh, Frank Karsten, uh, uh, Tor of Severin, and Arne Uschenbeth. We were making both, uh, you know, uh, match videos as well as some like fun videos. Uh, definitely a lot of fun. Uh, also a lot of work because we ended up both on Friday and Saturday ending at like 8 p.m. for four videos a day. It was definitely a lot. We had uh, World's coverage on the background. Uh, a lot of uh, catch oven and uh, flesh flesh spirits in the times that I have seen it. So mm-hmm. yeah, Explorer uh, looks like uh, 
I don't know, different different format than than Pioneer for sure. So it's uh, interesting for sure uh, to take a look at that. Um, but also modern, of course. Uh, Javier, you said you played Blue Red Merc Tide. Uh, which version with Blood Moon Moon or Charm? No, I played with Charm. You told me it was better with Charm, right? So I listened to my my favorite content creator. Yeah, he's testing did you your also, loyalty. Did you also put uh, Season Pyromancer in the sideboard? No, I did not because I choose to play Jace. Uh, I think Pyromancer is probably better, but I just wanted to cast a Jace. And, you know, like uh, I've, it's been a while since I cast a Jace in paper, and it's a card I love to play with. So I just went like, yeah, I'm gonna play Jace. I'm sorry, Mango. I never casted did it. You uh, cast so. Did you cast Jace? No, never. So I'm gonna still play oh. Jace if I play the deck again until at least I get to cast him once and then decide. How, how many Ledger Shredder did you play? I played three. I played three. Pro how many Channeler? Uh, two Channelers. I think maybe. Okay, it's, so it's, very similar. You know, maybe it's better to yeah. play more Channelers than Shredders, but I never played with Shredders, so I wanted to also get some reps with it on, you know, playing in cards in paper. Try to know how to look yeah. the triggers and such. Very similar list to the one that won on Saturday by Sokos, a Greek player who loves Shredder. He plays always four and he ended up winning the event uh, without Blood Moon, two in the sideboard, but two charm in the main. So very old, uh, very old school list, basically. Yeah, like, so, I mean, I, I based my list on your article, though, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Um, other, other decks that did well this weekend is definitely, once again, uh, Respect the Cat, uh, Austrian streamer who is uh, topic challenge three in a row, three topic challenge in a row. It's definitely super impressive by him uh, with Keruga Omnat. So I believe we already talked about on the podcast about Keruga over Kahira, but if we haven't yet, Keruga is the companion that you cannot play zero, one or two cards. So basically like uh, the, the rhinos or... Uh, the Rhinos deck, uh, but so you're playing a free interaction, sorry, not free interaction, but you know, over cost the interaction that you actually pay cheaper for like uh, a Lilan Binding, Fire Ice, Dead Gone, Dismember, and Touch of the Spirit Rail. This is a cool enchantment that uh, I've played in your Rhinos once, uh, where you can Fury, Solitude, and you can Blink Fury and Solitude. So yeah, I mean, definitely one way to build uh, your uh, for color deck. Another way to build your for color deck is for sure the blue-white splashing Brandon 6. Again, today, just today before going live, I, I 5 0 with it. I was very impressed, of course, by Brandon 6. And uh, yeah, the deck is strong. I can't wait I to see what yesterday, decks. actually. I, I, pl I played Thanks. the deck with... Uh, yes. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, what other deck can we put Brandon 6 in? Because if we can put it in blue-white, you know, the sky's the limit, right? What else can we put Brandon 6 in? In Murktide, maybe? Yeah, maybe. In Merfolk. I was, I was actually thinking that. I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to bully Merfolk twice. But, you know, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I, was, well, I mean, I played it yesterday. I played like a, a Pralim as well. And that deck is well built. I, I'm not sure I agree with some of the, select, like, of the card choices. But I was impressed also with the power level of the deck. Like, you know, Ram 6 is a perfect card for blue-white. You know, like, you want to hit all the land drops and it's like a finisher too. I felt like four Archmage charms were maybe a little bit too much because the deck has so much, like, intrinsic card advantage that maybe you don't need that much. I don't know if you felt like that, Mingu. 
but that was my impression. Other than that, the deck is pretty good. Pretty good. Did a like once again. Sorry, Jason, my sculpture for talking you down again, but was Jason my sculpture? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree there. Same reason though, because like if you the game goes long, your deck is good enough that you don't need to pay like four mana for a threat that's designed to get more card advantage. I think like subtly will be actually better in that slot. Like they, I know they ha they're on the sideboard, but like making them like a mana card and just have like extra sideboard slots for I don't know like blood moons or like balakuts or whatever that beats you. I think that will be maybe better. Yeah, for sure. I came to the same conclusion today on stream. I was always bringing in two subtlety for two Js, almost in every matchup. So that would definitely be my change moving forward. Yeah, also like get, getting several lots in modern is pretty good. Pretty good. Like you know, like modern is a format where if you lose to one deck, you can just put two several slots against that specific deck. I said Balakut, but it could be like anything, and that matchup is likely gonna change a lot. And I think this is a deck that could benefit from that. So yeah. Yeah, a lot to tune about that deck. It looks like also 23 lands is not that many. I felt that today when my Brian 6 got countered, I missed land drop. But yeah, I love I love having free spells like Subtlety and Solitude to just card advantage. Uh, sorry, like you do card advantage so you can like spend cards extra. It was a good deck. It was a good deck for sure. I think there's a lot to improve, but uh, well, Blue-White has always been a great deck and... Uh, you know, balancing uh, playing around Blood Moon with Renan, uh, splashing Renan Six is art, but if you can get around with that, I think you're you have a, you have definitely one of the best decks in the format. Once again, four color, which you can build again either without Renan Six and Karuga or uh, with Renan Six in a blue eye control shell. So, a lot of ways to build your control decks, which is gonna probably be good online in paper. Always risky because timer is behind the corner. I don't know how your game felt today, but today I had a lot of opponent uh, having uh, finishing with the red timer. My league took three hours, so you know, in paper, these things can hurt. Of course, we always talk about these. I think actually paper is maybe less dangerous than magical line for that because some like the very long games, I think they are slower online because you have to click a lot. You know, when you have to tap ten lands, it's like tap 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 tap. So I think actually if just about game actions, I think uh, paper is faster even though like shuffling is slower. I think this deck is a little bit like that where sometimes you have to click a lot of things, but you can just... Uh... I almost... I, I did go to red time, but because I was playing the prelim, I went to lunch and I completely forgot about the prelim. So when I when I came back, I was like, how was going to, to lose from this connection? I was like 16 minutes left and I had to play like a super long three three games against the black red and I, I think I won like I don't know four minutes or something in the timer but <laughs> but not because the deck was slow but because I was like uh, not very smart at putting an alarm or anything yeah for sure no I mean with subtlety and and, uh, and solitude now you definitely attack we don't you don't have any creature land but yeah yeah salty was just very good like I won like two or three game ones with the card I was like yeah I want to play like this like at least for me the lesson I learned from this deck is that card is great I've played that card in other decks, like in, in for color control back in the day, but here it was much better. I don't know, I don't know why yet though, but I loved it. What, what card you said? Subtlety yeah. or solitude? Subtlety, subtlety. I don't know how to pronounce it. Actually. Subtlety. Yeah. Subtlety. subtlety. Yeah. Today I played against Merktai twice, and they went turn one Ragavan on the draw. I went turn two Renan six, and they subtlety my Renan six. Ouch. And at that point, I couldn't put it on top because then mm. they would steal it with Ragavan. 
Yeah, exactly. The card is not so much. Is, yeah. Um, one deck I want to highlight is the one that came second in the challenge. It's Blue Red uh, Prowess. So very often, even today on my stream, people ask me, what is a budget deck I can build? And while this this is a competitive podcast and we don't talk about budget, this deck has only four rares in the non-land uh, section, which were Soulscar Mage, so not even that expensive of a rare. Um, so yeah, if you have uh, some fetch lane laying around, Blue-Red Prowess, definitely a deck that can compete with the powerful uh, Modern Horizons 2, powerful Modern Horizons 2 cards. Uh, couple of episodes ago we talked about mono red with underworld breach this is instead just old style sprite dragon expressive iteration you have dragon's rich channeler but yeah very similar to what was before modern horizons 2 and uh, other decks that uh, caught our attention uh, in the challenges that are worth talking about is uh, the uh, teamer rhinos so actually not teamer but four color four color rhinos I, um, so no, I I did my power ranking last week and I placed Rhino quite low. I placed it, I believe, in position 11. Obviously, I talked about I thought about it and I feel that without Yorian, uh, the deck was like never amazing in my opinion. And without Yorian, uh, with Yorian, I loved it because I think that it gave this extra angle of grind. But without it, people used to be playing a Sign of Draco, which I really dislike as a card. But finally, I see a Rhino list of four color without Sign of Draco. There's still Leland Binding. There's Ardently, so more threats uh, in this case. A, I like this list, honestly, Machia. I think did a good job in building a Rhino's list that I, that I like. And I'm actually, I want to try this deck now. Yeah, I agree with you. Like this deck seems to be planned to do the Rhino thing. Like it's a little bit more like the old right like the all rhinos ones. Just like, you know, I'm gonna do my thing and that's it. But just playing the binding without like all these um you know teferis and whatever. I think I think that's a that's a smart direction and I mean definitely paid off for them. Yep. The sideboard is super interesting. They have three Blood Moon in a four-color deck. Usually people side in Blood Moon against you. What do you think about that? Well, I think Blood Moon here, like this Blood Moon, I like it because it reminds me of the old days where we will play Blood Moon in decks like John Midrange or whatever. Like Blood Moon yeah. here is not uh, a card that's designed to punish you for playing four colors, which is not the great Blood Moons. Like the good, that's a fine Blood Moon sometimes, but the great Blood Moon is the one that just completely destroys your opponent's plan, right? AKA the Blood Moon against the uh, Amulet or decks like that. And I think that's why this this deck plays Lodman because it's the best card you can play against Amulet, which is otherwise like a rough matchup, right? So um, so I think I think that's here for also Balakuts or whatever. Like you play Rhinos, you play Blood Moon, and that's also enough to win some games against the slower decks as well. Also like against a four color um uh control Grand Six decks blue white. I think Blood Moon also comes into play as well, especially on the play. I assume they also will have this on the play a lot more often like way more often than on the draw. Yeah, I mean, like uh, having having a ton of non basics in your deck doesn't preclude Blood Moon from being good. If you can play a three mana Armageddon, there's a lot of spots where that would be good, and you can make Blood Moon into that uh, often enough. So, yeah, I mean, it's no reason you can't play it in the four color deck. And also, another super interesting choice, which <laughs> unclear if it's right or not, is Weather the Storm. Just two copies. So against Burn, this player would bring in a couple of copies of Weather the Storm, go to Cascade, and have a 
20% chance, I don't know, 25% chance of hitting uh, Weather the Storm or Crushing Footfalls. So, you can, I don't you know. Can adjust I'm not a big it, right? fan of that. I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be 25%, Mangu, remember, because you can sideboard out Crashing Footfalls accordingly, so you could make your 50-50 if you wanted to, for example. I'm not saying that's necessarily correct but, to what they did, but I'm saying, you know, that's a possibility, so we shouldn't assume that it's any particular Okay, number. so you mean, like, leave two and two, so you have con win conditions, but also, like, have more... Oh, that's that's actually yeah. probably the plan. I think so, yes. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, this is definitely a, again an interesting take. Uh, Rhinos also did very well in the uh, beta qualifier with two Rhinos players making to the top eight. One was playing four color with Sign of Draco, and the other one was playing straight up Teamir with uh, Blood Moon main deck. So again, uh, crushing footfalls uh, with the addition of Leyline Binding is opening up a lot of uh, uh, possibilities on how to build your deck. Mainly there's three route, which is four color with Sign of Draco, four color without Sign of Draco, or Teamir with Blood Moon to prey on the other lane and binding decks. Yeah, that, yeah there's also I mean, more more decks that I, there's one deck I, I actually liked a lot. There's a four color control version with Omnath, which is a little bit looking it looks like a cross between the Yorin one and the blue white splash random six deck from Terminal Justice. You know which one I'm talking about? Like, what do you think? Because it's like Omnath, Solitude, uh, Binding, Counterspell. It's a lot of cards that are the same cards as the blue-white deck. But instead of like playing some of the Jace cards, they play Splitted Iteration. And yeah, the Omnath itself, which doesn't seem that important here, I guess, with Ajorian. But I just feel like this person probably came from the blue-white Grand deck and just tried to put Omnath into it. And I do like how it looks. Also, iteration is a very like you said your deck struggled when they killed you round six or whatever. While well, iteration will have you covered, and this is still a very good binding deck, probably even better than the blue white. Uh, even if this deck is a little bit less functional in terms of like mana, because counter spells with forest and basic planes obviously not great, but also should be better against blood moon. I, I think this might be better. What do you think? I wonder why they still have Tefir Hero of Dominaria. That was not a card uh, that impressed me. I mean, you played it because blue-white control, but I'm not so sure about it. Like, once you have Omnath, I think you can cut Teferi. Maybe, but Teferi is still, like, sick with Leyland Binding, right? And pretty good with Counterspells regardless, but mm. I could see just playing Waters. Yeah, even Zero. But, I mean, I guess... It will be important important to know which one of the, these decks beat each other. Like if this deck loses to blue white or the other way around, we will probably have a winner because the interactive package is very similar. Like this this one doesn't have Archimage Charm, but yeah, it has like Iteration and Omnath. Like it's Charm and Jace versus Iteration and Omnath. I'm not sure which of those cards are better against unfair decks, but against Rhinos, for example, I would rather have Omnath. I think, okay. but so Maybe not. Terminal no, no. Justice uh, topated a challenge with basically the, the blue-white Brandon 6 deck. Uh, another card that's missing from this list is Chalice of the Void. I played two, and this one put him in the sideboard. So he still has one line in both main deck, which is the only one drop. So, again, I think a lot based on the metagame, expected metagame, or just, just testing things out in general. Maybe this person started with the blue-white Brandon 6, as you said, and was like, I feel like we could play Omna, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, but I, I'm not, I don't know if Omneth is that good here. Also, I am not convinced Omneth needs to be a four off anymore. Like Omneth yeah. without Jordan, it's still a good car, but you could just with Akiruga. Yeah, like you could just play like some copies of Omneth, some copies of the the car, the subtly, subtly. Uh, it's very hard for me to say the card. Yeah, subtlety. Subtlety. yeah for sure. It's a card we like, could play here, right? Yeah, I, f I feel like um, I, I wrote that in, in an article for sure, but uh, Omnath is very good, I think, with Keruga, because you have the eight mana to go Keruga, for, like, like you used to do with Yorin, but with Kahira, you very often don't have mana sink anymore, so you just waste the mana often, even with an Omnath in play. Like, it used to be that you on top of Omnath, you win, but here you can easily not have anything to do with it. Yeah, exactly. That's why I think like this deck looks too much like control deck for Amnef to be good. But I like the fact that this player cuts the charms to just put cards like Iteration and Amnef. Like yeah. it could be Iteration on yeah. something else that's uh, not Amnef. But I think if you take out the charms and you make a mana base like this, the mana base becomes much better because you don't have the planes is not very you can go planes turn one, planes prismatic ending, and then just play your interactive spells like before. Yeah, I, th I think there's still a lot to explore, and I think that's cool. You know, exploring uh, sure. this this deck. Just like yeah, just like Rhinos, I mentioned it uh, was a Yorian deck, and now it's no more. Uh, uh, and so like they're like deciding uh, which, what's the best list now. Same thing with the four color deck, which is you know still deciding what's the best list, and with the lack of a premier event like Worlds, uh, uh, it's gonna take a while before we you know solid um like go on to a specific uh, version of the deck yep the one last deck that i feel like uh, we could talk about is calibrate the blast the 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 <laughs> luck deck for, yeah i need to uh, ask the... how much of a luck deck that is mango from no, zero to ten very... no this is ten ten out of ten so it we... doesn't get okay 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 so we can use this as an I example mean, of luck deck yeah, like this is both a deck that needs to mulligan to a card, and the the, the combo isn't a one card combo. Like like Tibot's Tricker, I guess, is a ten. This might be like a nine point five. Okay, okay, that's a powerful luck deck then. <laughs> yeah, and uh, back to play Keruga the Macrosage in the Companion Zone, so they can bluff being the uh, four color Omnath. I think it's a cool thing that. Uh, can give them some uh, benefit in the mulligan decision because if you play against Keruga these days, you expect them to be for color elementals, but so you might keep a hand, you know, a slow hand, but boom, instead it's a combo deck where it can get you badly. So I like I like that uh, that tricky little thing, but I believe uh, this was enough uh, um, modern talk. Do you have anything else to add or plan what you plan to do, what you plan to play this Saturday at your uh, local game store? Uh, I don't know if I will play yet. I might just keep home testing, but if I think I'm gonna, not going to have like too many uh, opponents, I will just play probably four color control, maybe more tight, but I definitely a counter spell deck. Yeah. You own all the cards for Terminal Justice for color Omnath? I think I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. So I'm, I'm ready. Do four? Oh yeah. Okay. I do. So yeah. Let me let me let me try to get you with some cards that you might not. Okay. Zagoth Triumph. I do have all the triumphs. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me continue searching for some cards you might not have. <laughs> Hallowed, Mo Hallowed Moonlight. I do have Hallowed Moonlight. Two copies, exactly. <laughs> I am very okay, ready for I, this, Mengu. I already... <laughs> yeah, I think you have every other card because you played for color Vivian before. So, exactly. Yep. I'm ready oh, to wait, go. Leland Binding. Did you buy it? Yeah, I do have MTG Finance Leland Binding. 
How much? How much did you pay for them? Each? I don't remember, but way more than if I had bought them when you told me to do so. Oh, so next time okay. I will listen to Mango Finance. Mango Finance, the yeah. best finance. Exactly. Buy, buy high, sure. never sell. Buy high, never sell. All right, all right. Uh, enough modern. Uh, we're gonna move into standard again. Uh, next, not next weekend, the one after. Me, Javier will leave for Sofia to practice. We have a testing team. Um, you know, pretty um, for 15 people, 16 people were testing a lot these days. So in order, um, in respect to the other teammates and also the listeners, uh, we'd, we'd rather not uh, talk uh, about Pioneer just because, you know, you don't want to uh, share uh, some of your information as well as you don't want to lie to the uh, listeners. Yeah, exactly. Like, right, like, yeah, like uh, for at least for, I think for us, it's important that, you know, like we talk about something we're saying all we think and we don't keep anything. And to maintain that, we also have to tell you when we are not going to be able to do that because we have an upcoming tournament that's important for us. And so that's why we're going to skip Pioneer here because we want you to count on us saying everything we we know. And th in this situation, we will not be able to do that. So we just open up this and I think that's the best way to do it. Yep, it's a matter of integrity to us that we don't, uh, say anything misleading and uh, if we were trying to cover uh, information that we had and that we did not feel that we could reasonably share um, without detriment either to ourselves or to our teammates who you know don't necessarily have a part uh, in this um, I think uh, this this is the best which I understand may be disappointing for some people but uh, we think it's important that we are that we're honest although we will of course uh, be happy to talk about that stuff after the event and I think it will uh, continue to have value afterward as well so yeah uh, we won't be talking about Pioneer for a couple of weeks as a result and uh, we hope you Anthony, understand yes when is uh, when is it your uh, your qualifier is it the week after it ours, is the week right? after yes uh, so I suppose we won't talk about it until then either so one more week I yeah suppose. exactly there, that's a good point it... I did forget I did forget that I was not going to Sophia gonna see which is <laughs> yeah. you know close enough but go on yeah sydney sydney do you like sydney i don't remember what was it he doesn't you don't like it he doesn't you don't like it no. yeah, yeah, exactly. i mean it's he fine totally doesn't. Like, i would i would rather go there than um i don't know somewhere horrible but it's it, it's it's not high you know like it's not it's not high on my list of cities in australia really oh. It's okay. It's yeah. okay. Whereas I've never been to Bulgaria. I'm excited. We have a, a friend of ours that has a, a selected a bunch of restaurants for us, so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting for sure. Yeah, I'm excited to try the Bulgarian you know gastronomy and see what's up there. I would be more excited yeah. to see how Mengu complains about uh, Bulgarian gastronomy. Do you, I don't, I don't, you weren't part of the team yet, Avia, but I remember when he came to Australia, to Sydney, in fact, and then we all got ice cream, and he complained it was too frozen, which is one of the most ridiculous complaints I've ever heard about food ever. So. No, it's not. Gelato needs to be See? like, it needs to, you need to like lick it and it moves. It's not like it's slow. You know what I mean? See what I mean? He's defending no. his position that ice cream can be too frozen. So, you know. Okay, okay. You're, okay. You're yeah, I was, I was one of this. It's one of the complaints when you, when, you, when you taste an ice cream at Gelato place, it'll be like, oh, it's too frozen. <laughs> or it's not too frozen. Yeah, it depends. Yeah. Or it like melts too fast. These are like 
aspects that you can complain about. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's what I'm saying. We we don't know these things, and you do. So maybe when you're in uh, Sofia, oh, okay. you'll Javier will find out some new ways that food can be bad. You'll be like, this bread is too long, or whatever. You know, <laughs> like any. Yeah. You're about to get an education, so. Uh, yeah, look forward to that. Uh, I'm gonna have to so, side with Mango here, though. I think the ice cream can be too frozen. You know, Anthony. <sighs> I think I'm gonna side with him. Yeah, it, it's very bad when you go to a supposed be good ice cream place and it's like ice. You know, it's ice cream, not <laughs> ice. So I'm uh, yeah, I'm starting with Mango for sure. I'm sorry, Anthony. Well, I have a lot to learn. It seems. <laughs> so this this weekend in, in Germany, um, there was a Italian pizza place uh, where we went to, and it was great because you know clearly the owner was uh, an Italian an Italian uh, cook, so it was great, no complaints. And then the next day, uh, we got like some some fast food, let's say, and uh, they had pizza, but it was like I think I think it was French or German, not sure. It was to- it was called like. F- Flambe, tarte flambe, I think, but like it's not pizza because yeah, it has a different name. But it looks like you know, stuff on a piece of bread basically, which I did not like. And Torov kept on insisting it was pizza, and I said, No, it's not, they would even have a different name. So, well, that's it. you know, I, I, I think, I think probably there's a lot of places in the world that thought that if you put some stuff on bread, it'll be pretty good. And that's basically all pizza, isn't it? There's, you know, pizza <laughs> variants all around the world. Alternate art, borderless pizza everywhere. So maybe it is oh, pizza. Borderless pizza. Yeah, I don't know. Foil pizza. Yeah. Foil pizza, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, enough, enough pizza. Let's move to standard because there's a lot to unpack this weekend. Shall we? Yeah. Let's go. All right, uh, so in standard, we had walls, as you might have heard. So, I mean, the big thing is walls had 78, uh, 68.8% of S per meat range, which is, uh, as a, like, I don't think I remember walls with this, like, with an archetype being this common. Uh, the only tournament I remember, like, this is Oko, where all the Oko decks together were like this. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but isn't this, like, one of the most, like, you know, uh, dominant uh, performances in terms of like deck selection, Anthony. Or do you, like, uh, yeah. why? Also, why did this happen? You know, historically, yes. Um, but I think a lot of people are misinterpreting this. So the first reaction to this to this number, well, okay. Well, the first reaction was obviously nice because it rounds to sixty nine percent. But the second reaction was, <laughs> wow, I didn't realize that Esper was so much better than everything else. But it actually isn't. Um, so what people are interpreting this data as, well, many people are, I should say is that they see it as Esper being overwhelmingly better than other decks. But what this only says is that the players at Worlds overwhelmingly said that Esper was better, not that they said that Esper was overwhelmingly better. Uh, And that sounds similar, but it's not quite the same, because a lot of these people, I imagine, only just chose Esper. I know certainly for the people that we were helping, it was not very... uh, it It wasn't very clear cut. They could very well have submitted uh, more of the Jin deck and less of the Esper deck. Uh, they could very well have played Grixis instead of Esper. That was very, very close until the end. And I assume it's the same for a lot of these guys. So, you know, it, I think um, I wouldn't I wouldn't take too much away from this. I think Esper is a very solid deck. And there's it may indeed be best uh, for reasons that we'll get into shortly. But 
uh, I don't think, like, the, uh, it is natural to think, oh, okay, the last time that a deck was this much of a pro-level event was uh, the Oko food deck, and that deck was just way better than everything else. But uh, the percentage of the metagame that it occupies doesn't necessarily reflect its power relative to the other decks. I think that's very important to note, first of all. Yeah, it's, it's, that's a very smart answer. I didn't think of it this way. Like, I, I agree with you, like, the deck is... Even if it's the best deck, it's not the best by a lot. But, yeah, I mean, that that's... When when we see a metagame situation like this, we always think, like, yeah, this deck must be busted. But it never, it never occurred to me that it was, like, you know, everything... Everyone in the tournament thinks this deck is just a little bit better. Pretty but much. But enough people thinking that <laughs> result yeah. into the same... <laughs> in you this, know, exactly, yeah. yeah. It's about the... Uh... I would say this tells you that the confidence which, which with which we can say that Esper is better is pretty solid because, of course, these are all players very invested in doing well and they're very good players, but uh, the idea that Esper is the best by a lot is not necessarily the same thing. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, uh, the, the other, the, I guess we should talk about why Esper was probably considered to be best, of course. Um, and I think uh, it's not also not really that you can't beat Esper or something like that, but it's that the, it's the hardest to attack. So out of all the mid-range decks, they're all relatively even against each other. And uh, in, a, in a very mid-range heavy metagame, then maybe Grixis is best, I think. Or at least it felt like it was just a little ahead of Esper. And certainly um, Nathan Stoyer's uh, performance at Worlds would suggest that, uh, yeah, it's pretty good for Grixis. Uh, even I mean, as soon as Decklist came out, um, it was looking pretty good for, for Nate already. But uh, the big thing about Esper is that it's less attackable from the fringe sides. So if you play decks like Enchantments or Jin, then I think uh, those decks are better at attacking Grixis than they are attacking Esper. And that's what makes Ac Esper actually the best. So in a relatively stable metagame, Esper isn't really that far ahead. But when people might be coming at you with all kinds of stuff from the side, then yeah, maybe Esper, Esper is safest. And at Worlds, in an uncertain metagame, you don't know what people are going to try to do. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think that's what makes Esper the best. Not the matchup against the other top decks, but the matchup against the the sides. Yeah, the fringe. That that makes a lot of sense. Um, also, well, there's 70% uh, of Esper mid range. I also want to talk a little bit about the different versions because yes. every team, like every players, every few group of players, they have different approaches. We saw like, you know, Ludovic, we saw the Siphon inside. There saw different cards. Uh, clearly, each team thinks their cards are the best ones for the metagame. What's, what's your opinion as a standard expert? Like, what do you think about these cards? And what do you think, like, why... Do, did these players come to like such different conclusions? Because some players clearly thought She-Holder was weak. Other ones thought like She-Holder was um, a key card, like because that's what the decklist uh, say, right? Like also the, yes. the players playing a lot of other waters. There's a lot to impact the to impact here. So give us our, your thoughts, please. Okay, so yeah, a lot of it is about what kind of uh, metagames you expect. I can say with specific respect to Shieldred, for example, uh, our group considered Shieldred to be quite bad. Um, and I think uh, I think Mogd, uh, the Magic Online grinder, uh, tends to go along with that as well. Uh, and the reason for that is that Shieldred is 
somewhat of a liability in these mid-range mirrors because it's the only one that can trade down entirely. Because if they just kill it with an Infernal Grasp or it gets eaten by an Invoked Despair, something like that, it's the only card that doesn't provide any value really. Uh, and also causes you to trade down. So you trade evenly on cards but down on mana substantially. Um, so because of that and, well, of course I think everybody going into Worlds expected a lot of mid-range decks. That's why we rated Shieldred much lower. Um, the others, yeah, everything is built a little differently. Some of them are just cards that um, people hadn't really thought about. Like, for example, uh, the most successful Esper list, I think, uh, or at least going by the fact that two of them were in the top four, um, included Ludovic Necrogenius, which is, I mean, it's just a card we just didn't consider at all, right? So, <laughs> and, and I think most people hadn't either. So some of them. Yeah, just, like I was like, like yeah. I had to read it, you know, I had to yeah, read sides. it because, I, I, yeah, <laughs> like like it was like I kind of know what it does, but I I know what it does for real, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to. I want to also. Uh, I was watching. I think it was game one of Nathan versus Elie uh, uh, of the Sunday, hmm. and uh, Ellie went like, "Ao, Ao died," and he like collected company into two creatures, basically. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so the two drops were actually important for making Ao like a better card, for example. But being able to get two two drops is massive, which is a big part of playing lots of two drops. Um, so for the... and then yeah, go on. And then sorry, l l let me explain my, my. So I wanted to know what Ludwig did. And I asked the people around me, and no, none of them did. And then uh, the wizard's coverage showed up a card, which I was hoping on screen, uh, which I hoping was Ludwig. Instead, was the seven mana shieldred. I don't know why. <laughs> I, th I think that they're just a production <laughs> error, I suppose. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, and then he untapped, paid a lot of mana, got like a large creatures with three counters on it, and no clue what's going on. Like, what's going on? This card seems too powerful. <laughs> can you can you tell us what it does exactly now? Uh, it's a blue black two three. When it enters or attacks, you mill a card, and then you can pay blue blue black black and X to exile X creature cards from your graveyard, and then it will become a four four uh, with plus one plus one counters uh, equal to X and become a copy of one of those creatures. So, for example, if you paid five, okay. you could make it a uh, large copy of well whatever you want. Uh, it also oh, yeah, so, its name it keeps yeah. its name. So you could end up with two Rafines or two Shieldreds. You know that would be cool. Oh okay. <laughs> so yeah, I think what happened is paid six, yep. and he had a six six owl. That's right. That's what happened. That's right. That's what happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, basically, yeah. It becomes a copy of something yes. in your graveyard, but sized um, bigger, which is uh, oh, it's it's quite helpful. And I mean, all of those effects have a use, right? Uh, like milling a card has value when you have four Denic two underdog in your deck. Um, or just being able to copy like any of your powerful cards. Um, so, uh, yeah, where was that? Oh, yeah, so there were some cards like Ludovic Necrogenius that we just didn't consider. Because one of the puzzles for Esper was figuring out how many two drops to play. Because after Denic, they get a lot worse. Even Underdog, and Underdog is a decent card, but it's not one that gets, you know, it's not, it's not that good to play a lot of copies of them because they don't stack well. So that was kind of a puzzle that we had. We tried various ones, but uh, Ludovic Necrogenius does seem like it might be a very good one. And the reason those two drops are so important are, well, we've also we've mentioned uh, that they make Owl much more powerful when you can flip two permanents into play. But of course, uh, Rafine is a much better card when you have uh, more two drops. So uh, yeah, being able to find enough decent two drops to support those cards was important. Uh, we didn't have find any that were uh, good enough for us to play so many. Uh, so we ended up playing more copies of cards like Make Disappear and Siphon Insight, 
in a way to try to make the deck better on the draw. Uh, so that was a more spell-based version, and I think kind of reflects a different approach to deck building in, in general, right? Like one one group tried to play to the strengths of the deck, in that the best cards, like Rafine and to a lesser extent Owl, are much better when you play lots of strong two drops. So they made that work, and what we did was kind of try to address the weaknesses of the deck, which is that for Esper, the worst weakness is being on the draw. Esper is much worse on the draw than on the play, much more so than the other mid-range decks in the format. So that's that's kind of what the Siphon Insight Make Disappear approach is about. Um, yeah, the then, then there was a third version played by another group, uh, which looked a little bit more like a normal version of the deck, except for one thing which would be very easy to miss, which is that they played 27 lands, including... A lot of uh, a lot of uh, channel lands, which includes uh, the one I drew, but two Takanuma. That's run more than usual. Uh, Nate played two Takanuma in Greece as well, but that's a bit more believable. But three copies of Ottawara, which is uh, we definitely have to talk about that. I think I because I'm that's that's the one thing I'm not entirely sure I understand. <laughs> um, do you have any thoughts about the three Ottawara, Javier? Yeah, like I think so. It's just a matter of like risk reward. Uh, everything in Magic. Okay, let's imagine Otawara costed one to play as a, an unsummon. You know, mm -hmm. like if it costed always one, I think we will actually play four in a lot of decks just because we will plan to use it more as like an unsummon than as a land. So, it'll be like so for me, yeah, yeah, like it's it will be more like an, a spell that can actually be a land and not a land that can be a spell. So for me, what I see here is they say, okay, sure. Otawara, like the third Otawara does not count as much as a land as the other ones. Okay, but it's still fine because they still kind of play um, 26.7 lands or 26.5 yeah. lands. And the same goes with other lands. Like if Iganja costed only one, we will actually play two or three Iganjas in a lot of decks and so goes on. And that's why I also think partially why we see so many decks with two Boseyus and not the other lands. Uh, I think that's what's happening here. With, mm -hmm. Yeah, with so many legendary creatures you can count on these lands to be, uh, you know, like spell lands. And I like it. I think like, yeah. if we take most of the Esper decks, they probably should run one more Otawara or Iganja, particularly Otawara, because it's a, the best one at, you know, like making tempo swings. Mm -hmm. But you see like Cassie's deck or whatever, you just play so many legends, you can reliably use it for one or two in many situations. And I think uh, they, they, they often lead into dramatic comebacks. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a powerful the powerful card you can have while also making you less likely to miss the third or fourth land drops in some situations which i think is a big deal because being on the place is good as long as you don't miss land drops like yeah, if you, you miss land drops it yeah, often over you're just giving it up yeah. yeah so yeah so i think i like i think i like it i actually love it i think the all the other versions would probably be better if they, they should have done be i mean i'll be honest we didn't consider it at all uh, no we didn't yeah of yeah. course yeah. also we didn't consider ludovic like yeah those two the, i think those two those two are things that should probably be adopted going forward like if i had to build an expert deck now knowing what i know learn learn, learn from waltz i would probably play these two cards like second or third out of water and ludovic yeah thing. i think we can I take something it. from each list right like i think um yeah. Yeah, I, th I think there's good elements to each, but they all represent something slightly different. And I think that's very interesting because, I mean, it also shows that they're willing to review even the most simple things, right? Like, I, well, mo mo most of us have just kind of gone off very similar looking Esper lists. Like maybe we've balanced, like, for example, uh, the list, uh, Carl's list, for example, 
uh, is a little adjusted to be able to cast Siphon Insight, but we never really like challenged just not playing like one 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 of each spell land, right? But clearly this team did, and it was quite quite a payoff for them, I think. Um, so yeah, that was there were a bunch of different Esper decks, and I do think um, they they all they will also reflect different metagame expectations as well, and I think that's very important. Like some of the core cards are going to be the same, but even the ones that you think are like just generic powerful cards are more metagame dependent than it seems in standard. That's always the case. Like Shieldred, for example. Um, being a card that we just thought wasn't good in uh, mid-range fights. So, yeah, there aren't really many sacred cows, I think. For us, no, 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 there's yeah. even less cows. Like, like Alicacy is the second place. I mean, it was one game, right, in the finals. He yeah. played three wedding announcements. Yeah. Like, when I saw the <laughs> desert, it was like, wow, three wedding announcements? Wow. You know, like, we were supposed... Like, you said it here, like, the central pieces of standard are Fable, wedding announcement, and Rafine. Yeah. And Cassis just decided to play three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, like here, what I understood when I saw this decklist, which by the way doesn't agree, like Jakob, uh, he was playing almost the same decklist but with four. Mm -hmm. I guess Cassis thought like, okay, winning announcement is like the best card in the format on the play, but my whole deck is so good on the play. I don't want to play four copies of a card. I can draw and be bad on the draw. That's what I thought Makes when sense. I saw it. Uh, but I still went like, wow, three winning announcement, like. That's yeah. that's uh, surprising. It could also be a hedge against Invoke Despair because I usually prefer them to. I usually prefer to lose two life and they draw a card than to sacrifice a permanent. So it could mm -hmm. also be that you know he wants to hit a certain number of uh, or limit his exposure to Invoke Despair, which was probably a. That's only Inferno, I guess. Unless Inferno yeah, was a card that was too. quite played on the top, like four players out of the thirty-two played it, and if you get your announcement hit by Unless Inferno. Well, but I think uh, probably going forward we over. won't be seeing much of Jund, will we? Because it did miserably in uh, in this world's event. I think Esper might this might have been the most popular uh, around the most popular the deck has ever been at Worlds. But I think Jun might honestly be one of the worst performing Worlds decks of all time. <laughs> like it was, it got absolutely slaughtered. I think um, the Jun mid range deck. I think it might literally not have beaten anything other than the Mirror, right? Um, yeah, I don't remember the numbers, but it was not good. Also, only yeah. four players, but yeah. But then I mean, the John reanimated such a small sample price. Like they won two matches other, uh, against decks other than John, the other John deck that lost to everything. Yeah, so, yeah. It was <laughs> John got absolutely slaughtered. So um, we kind of had that paradigm of John Esper and Grixis going into this event. But I think uh, coming out the other side, I think unless there is some adaptation of John. Uh, I, I I doubt that we'll be seeing that much of it going forward. Um, so now so. we want to see Esper, Grixis, and Rogue decks that try to play on Grixis, right? Like uh, counter spells or yeah, um, like the Jin decks, counter spell decks and Enchantress or whatever, right? Yeah, I th I, th I think the Jin decks might be a little higher than the rest of the Rogue decks. Like, but um, I, I'm not sure I would class them in the Rogue decks, but they are they do fall outside that strict. Uh, mid-range paradigm i suppose counter spells I, decks yeah. i guess like yeah I think there's we like have a esper, very, yeah or... there's like yeah. a very clear uh esper and grixis on top and then i think Jin below that and then uh maybe some different rogue decks like you maybe you get like invoke despair or no, no, not invoke despair what's the other invoke justice and uh uh enchantments that sort of deck like below those i think kind of what i would expect the format to look like um I guess we should talk. Uh, I mean, of course, the the winners list as well. Uh, Grixis. Um, there's not. I mean, there couldn't be much variation in Grixis decks in this event because there was uh, 
only one but uh, <laughs> uh yeah it has some uh some good things about it uh that are worth noting as well most of it is relatively stock i suppose uh there's a couple of main deck duresses which are good uh but uh, the card that stood out to uh, to me was uh, astri the blazing sky uh the red oh owl, sachicha the sachicha uh, in italian <laughs> i mean it says sushi in the name i guess it, 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 yeah. sushi and might be culturally similar <laughs> I've not. Oh, it's because it's he. Because so- I just looked at the art of the card. Okay, I see. It's the flying sausage. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's a flying I, sausage. I actually, yeah. I didn't understand why. Uh, now I now I'm actually looking at the card. Oh, it's blazing as well. It used to be. Ah. It used to be stormbred dragon. Stormbred dragon was the first drago sausage uh-huh. sausage dragon. Ah. And now it's a sushi. Wow. This is oh. much more of a salchicha though. Like it yeah, really, if you look it's at even spicy. Strong, stormbred. Yeah, I think they're both very very yeah. sausage. Do not say anything else. Do not say anything else. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I think Nathan didn't. I, I think I didn't see him cyborging it in because I mean it's presumably for the mirror matches, right? Yeah. I I just I it did occur to me how amazing that is that you have this like sweet tech for the mirror and then you're the literally the only person playing the deck in the tournament, which is, I mean, he couldn't. I mean, no one no one would have foreseen that. Certainly, we had no idea there would be only one Grixis deck and. I'm sure, obviously, well, Nate obviously had no idea there'd be one Grixis deck, otherwise he wouldn't have cards specifically for the mirror in his Grixis deck. But, uh, <laughs> I can't imagine just showing, I'm just, I mean, because if you play, like, Bant tokens or Mardu midrange, there's a very good chance you'll be the only person in the World Championships playing this deck. But no one registered, would have registered Grixis being like, I'm, I think I've got something that no one's going to see coming here, you know? <laughs> but yeah, it, no, like, I, th- I think they're related, but I think it, that's, like, between Esper being 70% and Grixis being only one player, Probably the second part is like more surprising, right? Like yeah. then again, one leads to the other one. But when I saw the meta game and was like, "What? Like one Grixis? I mean, yeah, I, I was like, is there an error? <laughs> yeah, like isn't this like is a typo, whatever? You know, it's bizarre. Like, yeah, because we thought we thought it would be about equal, right? Like we thought maybe it'd yeah, be, exactly. Yeah. Like yes, Esper and, and Grixis would be like you know like twelve players, twelve players, whatever, and it's like yeah, they nope. all just picked Esper. <laughs> one, they all picked Esper. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, that was really remarkable. But I think going forward, I mean, it's not just... The, I mean, obviously, there are the optics that um, that Stoyer actually won the event. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I think if everyone expects lots of Esper going forward because of the massive representation that it had, then, yeah, Grixis would make sense, right? So, I think uh, we probably won't ever see another tournament that's so lopsided uh, in favor of a deck like Esper. Um, or at least not, not, no, not, I mean, the standard format will change very soon, but, uh, you know, uh, I don't think any, anyone should expect their standard events to be so, uh, tilted towards Esper rather than Grixis and to expect those to be roughly equal, I suppose. Um, so yeah. And I guess the other big story was the Jindex, right? Which I, they actually did very well in standard. They might've been the best performing in standard overall, right? Two people played them. Uh, Gina Manuel Depra, uh, played, uh, Depra? I don't know how to say it. Anyway, he played, um... Mono blue and Julian Wellman played a uh, blue red, uh, and they're slightly different decks, I guess, or maybe more than slightly. But uh, yeah, I think those decks will be very popular as well because if you don't want to play um, those very grindy, very long mid-range matchups, then the Jin decks are your only. Uh, they're they're maybe not your only, but they're certainly the by far the most compelling way out of that. Um, they are the same idea, right? Like yeah. you just play counter spells, trying to capitalize on like the big spells the other decks play. Yeah, and pretty much. Just Jean is a powerful card. Jean is a powerful card. Like yeah, very it's just good. impressive. Um, yeah, a big part of it is that counter spells are by far the cleanest answer to like these super powerful 
uh, three mana enchantments. Um, so I'll be your best answer to a fable or wedding announcement, just counter it. Um, I think yep. Julian's deck plays a little more controllingly. Um, I don't know if I agree with this is it tempo label that's very popular because I think a lot of games you win by being more of a control deck a lot of the time. Uh, it's possible that uh, Jin Emanuel's is more like a tempo deck, I think. Because, uh, you know, you might you could counter counter Tolera and Terra, hold up a counter, counter your play, and then mash you with a 5 5. Whereas uh, Leah, Disciple of the Drowned, uh, wow. I, I really forgot about how crushing that card is <laughs> until I recast it. Um, it's just, yeah, you just kill everything, play a Leer, and no more creatures for you. So, it's easy to forget. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> you're playing against the Leer, they play the Leer, and it's like, yeah, this game's over. Should I concede or not? Because I'm losing regardless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, between the two, it's not clear to, it's not immediately clear which one is better. Uh, Obviously, Izzet has the advantage of getting to play uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, pretty good magic card, but it doesn't always fit perfectly in this kind of strategy where you often want to pass with mana up anyway. I mean, you can just burn turn 5 with mana up. Standard games go long enough that that's very, very reasonable. But um, yeah, it's, it's uh, interesting to see how close they are. I, I guess Blue-Red also gets answers to Shieldred. You get to play cards like Rending Flame that kill it, or Fires of Victory. Uh, so yeah, I think they're close, but they are, they are fundamentally similar decks, I suppose. Uh, they're trying to do the same in the meta game. I yeah. think like they're trying to to do the same thing, attack the same way, and you know they just found a different shell. But one is likely better than the other. Yeah, I'm just though, not sure which. because they play the same thing. We uh, yeah, I mean if you try uh, try it, let us know. We'll try them. Maybe you think yeah. those are your style. I mean yeah, yeah. You, you said you cast Leer, so you definitely try them. I mean we were also playing the deck before the. Tournament, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously, so, I, obviously, I didn't do as much on that as you know, Esper or Grixis, but you know, certainly, uh, paying more attention to it. Although, if I did play mono blue, I would definitely add the Cemetery Illuminators, that was one of the best cards, um, in the Izzet list, uh, we found. And, um, <laughs> I mean, I think I made this joke where uh, Cemetery Illuminator plus uh, Hortigen is just like the 2022 Runaway Steam Kim plus Experimental Frenzy. Uh, it's, it's you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty wild when you go off with it. It's a lot of fun. So, Illuminator is just a good card. Like, yeah. just read the card, just good stats, good effect. It's it's a card that, you know, it's good enough to be played. That's, that's what like I think, really. If you play this and they play Fable, you have yeah. not lost the game or anything, you know? You can just yeah. win. That's... I think this is what sets this deck apart from the previous versions of Mono Blue that were popular, like the very start of Standard. The ones that tried to play Delver of Secrets and a lot of other weak cards. Like, the thing that appeals to me the most about Blue Red is that it's not really playing anything horrendously underpowered, right? Like, these cards all just work really well to support Ortigen. Um, and I think that's kind of key. I mean, that's that's the key to, like, making a lot of these decks work, right? You figure out how to make at least respectable cards <laughs> uh, work together. Yep. Yeah, instead of going into a full brew. So, all right, yeah, the thing, that was that. that was a good breakdown from yeah. the Walt's metagame. It was a very interesting event. Also, there, there was, like, Explorer and Draft, but we didn't... Uh, we don't have much to say about that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, Explorer is, like, only... Being, Almost all have been played here, and I mean, we don't have much knowledge about it, and we haven't really touched much about draft. We maybe should do it eventually. I think it will be a good podcast, but we probably should have to do like a special podcast about what we think makes draft or whatever. But that's a story for another day. People are excited about it, yeah. I guess. Yeah, exactly. We could, we could try to do that, but I think it will be should be like something apart. And yeah, well, um, let's move to another format, Mango. What happened Mango with Legacy? Here. What happened with Legacy this week? 
to bring you the legacy. So this week we got uh, your friend Baku. We talked about him last episode as he won back-to-back challenge last uh, two weeks ago. Uh, he, on Saturday, continued his streak and won again, putting probably the record to three challenge win in a row. I don't think that has ever been done and probably it's very hard to repeat, right? Yeah, that's that's pretty I impressive. So. You know, Baku. Yeah, <laughs> good job, Baku. Even, <laughs> even went 9-0 this time. Would you say that he yeah. had Baku to Baku to Baku wins? Oh, eh? Eh? Uh, I got. Come on. Why is his Why is his nickname Baku? Is that his from his surname? Uh, I think a Baku Baku no. is a sort of spirit, right? I think, or an animal. I actually have no idea about the origin of the nickname. Of some sort. It's also yeah, the capital his of. Is not uh, Baku. It's capital of Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan. Yes, yes, yes. Maybe it could I be no one idea. of those two things, right? Yeah. And then again, yeah, as I said, he's, he's known by for his love for bread. So I I'm, I would not yeah. be surprised if it has anything to do with bread, Nick. But no, no there's, there's a bunch Same. of Baku cards in Kamigawa. It must be must be to do with that. Okay. Yeah, I think. <laughs> the one that's a bunch of flowers. Yeah, go on anyway. <laughs> anyway, same list as last time. Blue, red, one Delver secrets, two counterbalance. Classic. Blue in the sideboard. That's it. That's it. That's it. If you want to win and you are good at playing legacy cards, this is probably the best deck for you, right? Would, would you say that? Uh, I don't know, actually. I said last week, I, I, I don't think that necessarily means Delver is um, is a best deck. Like, I mean, one month ago, NCD won two challenges in a row with four-color Jordan Control, right? Yeah. And that, doesn't, that didn't make it so the deck was the best deck automatically. So I think Not it's kind sure. of similar. Like when a very good player wins a lot with a very skill intensive deck in Legacy, it doesn't mean the deck is just too good. You know, like it might yeah, be just sure. you know, so. So I will. I'm not convinced. I haven't played Legacy much lately. I will after Sofia, but I will try it over again. But I will be surprised if it now can beat like a the four color ones. But maybe maybe it can. But I will have to sit down. I, I'm not convinced beforehand. First, second, and third, all playing Blue Red Delver on Saturday, whereas on Sunday we see zero Blue Red Delver. Um, another player that has been consistent in these uh, weeks has been Butakov, who top aided three challenges in a row with uh, Mono Blue 8-cast, the deck that uh, so far I would choose to play at the next uh, four seasons. It's, I really like the deck, I think it's super fun to play. Uh, Chalice of the Void on turn one, and uh, yeah, seems to be one of the strongest decks. Also, won on Sunday by Jack 9am. So, again, pretty stock things going on in the Legacy weekend, right? I want to add something you might not like, but I, I feel like it's my duty to, to say it. Like, isn't 8 cast like a little bit of a luck deck? At least like 5 out of 10 or something like that? It is. It is. Wow. Okay. It is. It's just that whenever I play this skill deck in Legacy, I feel like I lose against Carpet of Flowers and the white removal spell decks. So it might just be that uh, I'm not as uh, skilled as I can be in other formats. So choosing a luck deck in uh, Legacy, I think, raises my odds at winning. Well, have worked. it has worked for you a lot, uh, very well in the past, so... Okay, okay, continue. I think the deck is very good, by the way. I think it wins a lot because every time you see like two weeks without uh, enough hate for this deck, it just comes back and just takes everything by storm. It's just good enough 
to do that. Like you need the meltdowns yeah, like and such. Yeah. I don't have uh, enough experience or to play Blue Red Delver against Carpet of Flowers decks or against the yeah all the control decks that are populating the Italian tournaments. I feel like whenever I play against just get control, I lose. Whenever I play against you know four color control, I lose. And those decks are very popular. Whereas with eight cast, I feel like you don't really have bad matchups. I mean, maybe elves is a bad matchup, but I don't expect to be that many. So good, good, good. Th that is my that is my reasoning for that. There's also infect, which I have never seen in so long, right? <laughs> yeah, but it, it never like it's back. It's been always like a tier two, whatever. But it didn't get any new cards. But I mean, no. except Miskambu out of the sideboard, though. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> like one Miskambu out of the sideboard, which I mean, it makes sense, right? Like they overload the removal and just spam slam the the Miskambu. I'm surprised, like, only one, though. Like, you could play two or three if it's your big plan. Yeah. This list plays one Taiga main, no forests. For the boo. Uh, I like it. I have, to, right. I have to say it. I like it. You know, Miss Kambu is everywhere. Every corner you blink, okay. and even Infect just spam, you know. Next so, next thing you, yeah. next thing you know is 8 cast will cast uh, Miss Kambu out of the sideboard with Mooksopo. We'll see. Yeah, uh, last week we talked about Moloch and uh, White Plume Adventurer. This week I want to talk about another uh, brew by uh, the same player, Andy Fernandez. He um, also top hated an event with Red Green Valakut, and today I streamed with the deck. A legacy? It's legacy. Legacy Valakut? Legacy. Okay. Yeah. So um, I've streamed with the deck today. He actually started 3 0, so super high, and then lost to uh, Mono Blue. Like combo and uh, and Delver, but close matches two one to one. Basically, you play commune with spirits. That's like the ancient steerings before enchantment or land. Okay. And uh, you're playing Valakut exploration, cursor of crucifix, drive of the Elysian Grove, and you try to just grind them with either Ramanap excavator wastelands or just kill them with four Valakut for dryads. So it plays like exploration or fast bones or stuff like that. Stuff like that. Yeah, it plays Valkyrie Exploration with uh, the ex Exploration and uh, Dryad, so you just go off and... Okay, okay, I like, understand. You just have two Valkyrie Exploration, I dealt 10 damage in one shot, because I had five lands coming to play. Mm, that's uh, interesting. I mean, it's definitely, like, that deck must be great against the control decks, right? Like, they just cannot interact much with what you do. Yeah, it's funny. My first three opponents were two Yorian Esper deck, for some reason. <laughs> and uh, none of them were Cephalid. And um, and another white control deck. So yeah, that's a it was good against control. And then yeah, but uh, it's cool that you know can innovate in legacy and things like that. So um, yeah, I'm a little bit to talk about the uh, cool new brews. But how about we talk about the the people's format? The people's format, yeah. The mango oh, alchemy format. finally. Alchemy. I no, mean, no, no. that's that's only when pe mango is sad and building <laughs> oh, barricade. Oh, okay. Oh, right. we, don't, we don't talk about alchemy here, Anthony. We never did yeah, talk next, about Anthony. Uh, next, alchemy. Week, next week, Anthony. No, sorry, not next week. The, the one after. Me and Avir will be in Sofia. If you want to make a podcast about alchemy, I think uh, you can. Wow. Yeah, I'm just going to not do alchemy. anything but talk about Magic 30 um, cards and, uh, and, and, and alchemy. Yeah, I'm going to fill up an entire hour with that. <laughs> and also ice cream that's yeah, too frozen. All those three things. Yeah, go on. Talk about Pauper. 
All right, what's in the format of the people? I like the name though. The, the name is pretty catchy. It's catchy, you know. I like it. Man, the people's format is great. People like, format, yeah. It's pretty good. I think it's a great name. It is. But yeah, this weekend I have the big event, the Popper Getter New Rome. Oh, true. You're gonna win it. Over, over 420 people pre-registered. Wow, that's like a big tournament. Yeah, it like it sold out. 350 slots sold out in three hours. Then they reopened the registration, and now it's start. Uh, uh, capped again. It's gonna be. It's gonna be huge. I'm ready. Um, definitely playing uh, Blue White Cog Gates. I've been testing that deck a lot. Uh, love it. Um, played at the uh, Car Market videos as well against Toroff. He was playing Mono Red. Yeah, I feel like. I have a question. I, a, I have a question for this. Uh, does this tournament have like a stream or something we can watch you if you go deep? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've streamed it uh, the other times as well. I, d I think it was even in English, actually. Oh, great. Oh, wow. uh, they certainly let us know if you go deep so we can see what's yeah, going yeah, on there. Yeah. They've asked me uh, to 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 do the stream one other time. I said, no, I want to play because <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> it is. Okay. okay. I want to talk about the winner of uh, uh, Saturday uh, Challenge, which was Mattia Rizzi, a very good player. I've talked to talk about him. He said he played Popper for like the first time or something, and he won the challenge with Blue White Cogates. Makes me happy. Awesome. Uh, the format, honestly, it's, I don't want to say it's stale because, you know, obviously we're talking about Magic Online, which is not the real thing, but the decks that top eight are almost kind of the same ones. You have the Cogates, the Affinity, the Monored, and the, and the Blue Black Terror. So you have these four decks. And then I feel like everything else is a little bit far behind. Even Fairies doesn't see play that much anymore. It made one top eight appearance, but honestly, it's been a while since I've seen it. So I can feel like with uh, uh, the these new sets, the metagame kind of stabilized over these four decks. But uh, again, Paper um, is a much different animal, especially a 450 people tournament. It's going to be way different than a 50 people challenges where it's almost always the same people playing, right? Yeah, playing and decking each other. So they always end with the same deck list. Yeah, 500 people is a lot of people. They will have like, I mean, I think you can you could play a tournament where you have like seven different decks or whatever, right? Like it must yeah, have been sure. happened before. For sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like that's the problem with this like taking the challenges results, and especially in the format like Popper, uh, where people don't really practice too much; they just net deck the previous uh, weekend, you know. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you see the same deck list winning four in a row, but it's not because the deck is just the best or whatever. Because the winner net decks the winner from previous week, and so the chain, you know. Because you see like a famous player winning a challenge, and like, yeah, I'm gonna copy this player, and then it happens again and again and again, and yeah. It's, it's yeah. kind of funny. Discover N winning on uh, Sunday with Affinity. He's definitely a master of Magic Online. And uh, yeah, Affinity is a great deck. And Blue Black Terror, uh, way less play. And Blue Black Terror has a good matchup against Affinity. I've, I believe that Blue Black Terror has a good matchup against Affinity. And Mono Red has a good matchup against um, uh, Affinity. So it's kind of weird for me to see Affinity keep on winning. But I guess it's just that good, right? I mean, in my I haven't played Popper in some weeks, but I still I see this blue black terror deck, and I cannot believe this is not the best deck. Like this deck just looks completely obscene. Like it just looks massive. Very good. <laughs> That's my opinion. It's very good for sure. Without playing, I just look at the deck list, and it's like it's just only good card that just costs so little. And you must play like ten spells in the four in the first like four turns, whatever. You know, Abier, it's kind of a luck deck. 
Yeah, you said you said you said that said that before, and I okay, don't agree sorry. a lot. But you're the expert, so I can see that there. You know, if it's kind of a luck deck, it's kind of a luck deck. So I talked. I played against uh, Torov. He was playing Blue Deck Terror, and uh, he was uh, you know complaining that he wasn't drawing very well, and I was, and that you know previously when Arne played it, he played a three Terror turn three, and I said something along the line of. We don't have to talk about this now, but you're playing a luck deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gonna stick with but, you know with us. The, the, it's a very good concept. So yeah, I mean, turn three, three terrors is a luck deck definition, I guess. So. Uh, when uh, so Fr Frank Carsten, he was also with us, and he, uh, of course, you know, <laughs> the uh, most uh, mathemat the most famous mathematician of Magic. He said he's listening to the podcast a lot. He enjoys it. He said, oh, that's nice. and uh, he also enjoyed the concept of luck deck. Who doesn't? Of course, not backed up by any uh, any 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 calculations or anything. Just just by my own definition, that's it. I mean, it's, it's a good thing, you know. Since you are the one making the concept, you can define which decks are luck decks or not. You don't have to, you know. <laughs> take Use the power wisely, you know? Mangrove, please. Yeah, if you make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have the power, but I use it very wisely. Okay. Yeah, great power comes with great responsibility or whatever. Like have another name. Exactly. Yeah. The Spider-Man one. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Mengu. Anthony. Yes. I think that's good for today, right? Anthony uh, should probably go to sleep at some point. So. Probably. What time is it in Australia? Uh, it is about midnight now. Oh, okay. It could be worse. Could be worse, Could yeah. be worse, could be worse. All right, let's wrap it up. Yeah, it could be worse. Shall I could we? be in Sydney. Yeah, go on. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. It could be worse. It could be in Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I told you he didn't like Sydney, but you still asked. Yeah, I, mean, I, I asked because I wanted more content. No, I mean, I mean, I also told I told you after you asked, so you could know know before. <laughs> All right. Uh, so usually, thanks for listening. Um, we, you know, we can you can find us at Mingo Zero Nine, Javier the Magic, and MTG um, Band Card. Uh, especially for MTG Finance advice. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's it for today. Say the words, Mingu. <laughs> I'll say the word. Thank you for listening and have a great rest of the week. <laughs>